You are listening to the Bristow Advent Christian Church Podcast. Visit us on the web at bristowacc.net. Thank you for listening. It is such an honor anytime I'm able to bring the word at any place. Uh, but I love being able to preach in my hometown of Bristow. And, and right now, y'all are my local church, my home church. So it's an honor to get to be here um, I uh, I got a confession to make that, that this morning is going to be really difficult on me. Um, I don't want to scare anybody. I don't want anybody to go ahead and pop their sleeping pills in now. But um, God has just been pouring His Spirit out on me over this this message. And I was telling my wife uh, yesterday, I said, I think the last time I preached here at Advent was back in November of last year. So uh, I've got to be careful today. I got four, three, four months worth of preaching I got to do in a short time so that y'all can still make it to lunch on time. But uh, I am just so excited about bringing the word this morning. Um, I'm excited about what God's doing, not only in, in Bristow and in, in Advent Church. Uh, I, looked, I turned to my wife a second ago and I said, look, look at how many young people and kids are here this morning, young adults. Like, I love it. Like, it's, it's inspiring seeing. And I know not everybody, maybe sometimes you don't realize this, if you've been in any kind of ministry or, or had the weight of ministry, uh, I know Brother Jerry could, can tell y'all uh, probably countless stories like my wife and I. It's almost like the, you know when, when church is about to, to, to be there like Saturday or when you're about to do something for God because then all of a sudden it seems like everything. Everything in life, just everything gets upset, everything messes up, the enemy pulls out all stops wanting to keep y'all from church. You know, some people might be as simple as trying to find the kid's socks or maybe that lost shoe, uh, and you had it, it was sitting there, and then all of a sudden, Sunday morning, it disappears. It, little things all the way up to maybe the car didn't start, or maybe you're at home battling a kidney stone like our sister Stacy this morning. It seems like any time that God's wanting to do something, the enemy starts trying to ruffle feathers. He tries to get in the middle of it. And we've got to just stand against that and rebuke it in the name of Jesus. But this morning... Uh, I'm not just going to preach about Noah in the way that you guys have heard it before. So please don't tune it out. Please keep, keep your hearts and minds open for what God may be wanting to share with you this morning. Forgive me for a second. Just like the, the enemy always tries, right whenever I go to preach, I start having my sugar issues, but... God is so faithful, and I'm so excited to share with you today this word that God has shared with me. And in the middle of it, I want to share a couple things. For There's so many different personality types. I know there are people here that love to cling on the deep theo theological, uh, the Greek, the Hebrew, the, those kind of exegeting the scriptures. Uh, I, I enjoy that. I dig it, but I couldn't handle it for a whole sermon. Um, and then there are people that love the illustrations, the modern day connecting it to daily application. I love that too, but maybe not the whole time. And then there are people that, that, that literally love to just dig in the word of God and just read it and let God open our eyes and show us, show us his, his word. Sorry, my, my digital Bible. That's why I don't like technology. Digital Bible is not working this morning, but I've got it already right here. I want to give you a little bit of a time frame. Um, 
And I want to thank Stacy as well for all of his hard work and Brother Logan. Y'all don't even know when, when Logan's not at church, he's still helping. And I have to keep apologizing. I'm sorry you're having to teach this old dog new tricks. But Logan helped me last night at the very last minute. I had tried four different programs and finally he sent me one for my cell phone. And I was able to try to throw this together and Stacy helped make it for me. But um, it, it, to give you an idea, when, when looking at the ark, sometimes uh, I, I'm guilty of not really realizing the time frames. How long ago was this? Because sometimes things, Adam and Eve and Noah, this, that was millions and millions. Because in school, all you hear is anytime there's history, and billions and billions and billions of years ago, I wanted you young adults, I know most adults know this stuff, I want you to see this. 6,000 years ago was creation. Adam and Eve, we're talking not billions, not millions, not trillions. 6,000 years ago, this is the biblical timeline using the Bible as a historical book. 6,000 years ago was creation. 4,400 years ago, we're talking just 4,400 years ago was Noah and the flood and the rebirth of the entire earth. 2,000 years ago was Jesus. And so, and, and those aren't exact, you know, but I'm giving you a, a, a reference guide. So I want you to, to hear with me, um, even though we're not going to just really cover on the, the whole thing of the ark, God gave me a different way to bring this today, but I wanted to share a couple things that I found so amazing about the story of the flood, and it's a scientific side of it as well. When I was in high school and college, it was, it was like pulling teeth to get me to learn, to get me to read the books, and now I, I just, I'm hungry uh, for it. And, and now I wish I could have this personality 40 years ago because then I'd probably, I'd probably have quite a few better, more realistic degrees that help me. But um, uh, when I go back now to the Word and I look into the story of the flood in, in Genesis 1 6, and, and I really want you guys, if you love to read, I want you to go back as adults when you're alone, when you're in your prayer time, read back over some of the stories that you've heard your whole life and things will start jumping out at you that you never saw before. But one thing that I loved about the flood, in, when I was in school, this was way back in the 80s and first part of the 90s, um, all the women were blamed for the hole in the ozone layer. All the women with their big aquanet poofs, it was their fault that there was a hole in the ozone layer. And so every class at school, we had to hear about why our vehicles were, were destroying the environment and the hole in the ozone layer is growing bigger and bigger. On a side note, this one's for free. I'm not going to charge you for this bit of information. But according to NASA and other scientists nowadays, they believe the hole in the ozone layer is healing up so rapidly it's going to be sealed up in another 40 years. But no, back in my day, we were guilted for hairspray, guilted for a, a, a push mower. They were wanting everybody to buy electric mowers and drag their extension cord around the yard and get electrocuted when you run over it the first time. But right here in the flood is the hole in the ozone layer. And I love this. And you can take this back to your science classes and, and bring it up to, to teachers. Because uh, let's go through it. In Genesis 1 and 6, this scripture talks about the, the, there was a firmament. The firmament is basically um, the, amidst, uh, it's like a, a layer, like a greenhouse has, has a roof, a, a stretch plastic around it. That's, if you'll picture the earth had a firmament. And in Genesis 1 and 6, it says in the midst of the waters. The firmament in the midst of the waters. Realize this is a layer in the middle of the water. And then it goes on to tell us, uh, God said, let it divide the waters from the waters. 
in verse 7 that God made the firmament, divided the waters which were under the firmament from the water above the firmament, and God called the firmament heaven. Now here's what I want you to take today, another, another thing that hopefully will spark uh, an interest in you to go back and study better. When we read the word heaven in the Bible, immediately most of our minds go to where God is, right? Heaven is where God is. Well, in the Bible, there are six or seven different definitions of the word heaven. So one time when they're talking about heaven, it could mean something totally different. Now, if you've not got study tools, one of my favorite things I downloaded on this smartphone is an app called the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, the Strong's Bible. You could be reading the scripture and touch that word. And then have the original Greek pop up, original Hebrew pop up. So in this word where it talks about there was a layer, a firmament between waters, waters below, waters above. And that firmament is going to be called heaven. In that scripture, when you go back to the original Hebrew, this is, this is redneck Hebrew here. The, the definition pronounces uh, shamayim, shamayim. And that word simply meant sky so at this point we're not talking about God is trapped between two layers of water in heaven we're talking in this particular instance there's a layer of water above the firmament and below the firmament and there's a layer of firmament between and and right now we're talking about the sky this is called the sky God said God made the earth perfect he made it like uh, I, I love this if you really think about it, and this is where my mind loves to go deep. God made a perfect, sinless world. In the beginning, listen, in the beginning, there was no killing. Adam and Eve didn't need to kill to eat. They didn't need to destroy something to eat. In the beginning, the way God intended life to be was flawless, perfect. A beautiful terrarium. Almost like a hyper, hyperbaric, sorry, spell check might have taken that one. Hyperbaric chamber. It was a perfect environment. If you think about it, it's hard to imagine how did people live to be eight and 900 years old in the Bible? How did, how did giants grow to be 10 and 11 and 12 feet tall? And now we're finding fossilized human footprints of giants walking the earth. Well, it's all through the Bible. The Bible says that the giants in the land, but in our human mindset, it's hard to imagine, man, I, I, I struggled to breathe. Just how could a giant make it? Well, back then... In the beginning, before the flood, we're living in a hyperbaric chamber. Where, if you remember some of the stories in the Bible about the land of milk and honey, it took two men to carry a bundle of grapes. Because this is the way God's original plan was for things to be so beautiful, so perfect. i got to keep going. But anyway, this is why, if you ever wondered, uh, on another side note, go look this up sometime. I, I, I didn't have enough time to add it in. But a Tyrannosaurus Rex has baffled uh, science for so many years because this gigantic animal has nostrils and lungs the size of a horse. But yet his body mass is like 20 times the size of a horse. How can an animal that big breathe with such tiny little lungs? It's because this is the way God intended it to be back when it was a perfect world. Let's go on. But in this, uh, at 600 years of age, Noah heard from God. This is where I want you to really start getting implanted into your heart, into your mind. 
realize that Noah heard from God. There are multiple times in the Bible where people heard audibly God's voice. Not everybody hears God's voice audibly in the Bible. Uh, but as I tried to start making a list, I literally started writing a list of, of the people that, that heard from God in the Bible, and I had to quit writing because it was getting kind of uh, exhausting. There was a lot of people that heard audibly. There was a lot of people that God sent angels to speak to. A lot of people were hearing from God, but Noah, y'all heard from God. Just like you're hearing my voice amplified today, Noah heard God speak. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. This is what Brother Chris read earlier. God saw that Noah was perfect and a just man who walked with God. Now, if you can think about it, Noah didn't have a Bible like you and me. Noah did not have a smartphone, a daily devotional book. Noah lived in a wicked, sinful world full of destruction and evil all around. But Noah chose to walk with God. Noah, and, and this is something that I think is really profound as well. Another message, another message for another time. But Noah's connection with God, Noah's faithfulness with God, men, hear this. Noah walked with God, and that brought protection over his family. That brought protection over his children, over his wife, because Noah walked with God. Let's go on. Genesis 7, 1, the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark. This is one of my favorite, favorite slides on this still. Um, I never saw this before in 44 years of studying the Bible. In 30 years of, of preaching, revivals, and preaching all over this country, I never saw this one word. In the, in the story of Noah, Noah, y'all, I, I wasn't going to bore you with all the details of the building and the size and all the, all the stuff. Y'all know the story. But when it was time, for the and, the and the raindrops started falling, after Noah had been called crazy by everybody, uh, as he's building a boat in a time when they didn't even know what rain was, they had never seen rain, and Noah's telling them, there's going to be this flood, a lot of water's falling from the sky, and uh, y'all need to repent, find God. They called him crazy. They thought he was a lunatic. They thought he was the crazy cat lady of that day, and they just kind of made fun of him. But when it was time and the rain started falling, this scripture jumped off the page to me. Noah was told by God, come into the ark. Do you all realize that when God is speaking to you, when God has a direction and a plan for your life, God is not asking you to dredge through it on your own. God is asking you to let him empower you and, and train your eyes, your mind, your heart. God is asking you to join him in this venture, not you be out there on your own. God was already in the boat telling Noah, come in. Now, some of y'all kind of giggle when I use the old King James Bible. I, I'm old-fashioned. That's one of the things that, that even though it's weird sometimes because it's thee and thou and thus, and, but I figured it out pretty young that thee meant uh, you and thou meant you, and, and it, I figured those parts out, and it kind of helped me a little bit. But when I looked into other translations, y'all, and I know this might not seem important to y'all, but I think it's very important. Other translations of this scripture said God told Noah to go get in the ark. Almost every other version of the Bible that I looked up, 30, 40 other versions, changed it where God was no longer in the boat with Noah. The other versions of the Bible were telling uh, Noah, go get in the boat on your own. God, in, in the original writings, when you look up the original Strong's Exhaustive and see the Hebrew, God was already in the boat saying, come, come. 
this morning, whatever things are, are ahead for you, your family, whether it's an income or a job or career change or, or moving uh, to another city, another place, uh, I, I, I cannot get over sometimes when in my study notes on the front page, I've got uh, a, a prayer written out for, for Logan and his family. And when I think about people moving or people having to change and move their lives, I think of that precious young man who is doing so much to try and be right by his whole family. And he, he just humbles me, almost convicts me in so many ways because of how much he is putting his children where they need to be first place in his life. And I know that he's able to do that because of a loving family who helps him. But whatever is ahead for you, you need to know that if you're hearing God, if you're walking with God, he's there and he's going through it with you. He's already in the boat saying, come on in. Come, come be with me. Let's go on. I got to skip through and get faster here. This, uh, the Genesis 7, 11, and 12, the fountains of the deep broke, broken up, the original writing says, the windows of heaven were opened. Now, whenever I went back, and I, I'll spare you all the details of the Hebrew words, but when I went back and, and tried to look at every definition, the original writings described it as the layer above the earth, which God called the firmament, called heaven. Um, the layer ripped open as in tore a hole in. Where did all this water come from? All the scientists and people, atheists want to argue the flood was impossible. But at the same time, now I was baffled looking back through all the different web pages, even atheist web pages. None of them deny that there was a great flood. Nowadays, back when I was younger, they did. But now they've proven the flood. Even the atheist uh, archaeologists and atheist scientists proven there was a great flood that wiped out all of mankind. Found 80,000 woolly mammoth skeletons all in one little valley. And found woolly mammoths in, in, walking in a step, frozen solid with a dandelion in their mouth in the middle of eating. And the Bible covered that. These were things in the scripture that science already found but couldn't explain. But the scripture explains. The fountains of the deep opened up. These freezing waters came rushing in. But also the, the firmament of the heaven, the windows of the heaven opened as in a whole tore into the firmament, and the rain was upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. So this great hole opened up in Genesis, right here in the Bible. It wasn't Aquanet. You ladies got a free pass. It was part of the great flood when the waters that divided the earth, the terrarium that used to allow men to live 800, 900 years old, now there's a hole in it and oxygen levels just changed. You remember in history when they talked about those scribes that, that the Olympics came from, that, that would run from country to country. They'd run all day long and never grow tired. Well, guess what? In the same environment that a Tyrannosaurus Rex can breathe with little lungs and little nose, human body never grows tired. You could run from city to city. But once that environmental atmospheric pressure changed and the oxygen changed, all of a sudden mankind started only living to 70, 80, 90 years because we're in a different world now. Go ahead. I wanted to show this to y'all. There are so many people that are inspired by the faith of Noah, the life of Noah, that this is actually a recreation. This is real. This is actually a one of many. I didn't realize there were so many arcs built around the world. This one is from Norway, I believe. This one is floating the oceans right now. Sailing around the world. This one 
was, was going to land over somewhere near Jerusalem, Bethlehem, something like that. This is a full-scale ark that someone was inspired in Norway to build. There was, I, can't, I don't even know the exact number, there was dozens of different boats, full-size, that have been built around the world. Several in America. Go ahead. The, the inspiration, this is another one, full-size replica, um, the way they believed it was, it was, but each one has their own, you know, take to the ark. But um, many attempts have been made at recreating the ark. And of course, the, the first slide you saw was the one that actually was made to sail, to sail around the world. But this man's faith in God, in hearing from God, in obeying God, in following God in those footsteps is an inspiration that has still to this day, in modern day technology, people are still building these big old boats because they're inspired by Noah. Let's go on to the next one. Christian missionaries have discovered the actual remains of the ark right where the Bible said it came to rest. Now, there's some debates, and I made sure to cover both. There's debates that some people think it's over here, some people it's over there. But the Bible said it landed in the mountains of Ararat. And some argue, well, it didn't necessarily say it landed on Ararat. But go ahead and go to that next picture. This is where the archaeology digs are going on right now of the actual ark. Now, this doesn't give you a size reference because this is from a satellite in outer space. But this is the site in uh, Mount Ararat in Turkey where the Bible says the ark landed. And they've now, and this, this is what I think is really awesome. If, if you haven't been paying attention yet, make sure and look up at the slide for these next ones. At the bottom of this hill, they started finding these ancient stones that were bigger than a man. This, I wish the whole thing could have fit. I tried to squeeze it and shrink it, but it, it was too big. Uh, when a guy stands next to it, some of the guys standing next to it were just head level right about the, at the cross. This thing weighs several tons. And when they checked the dates on it, guess what? It came back to the time of Noah, time of the flood. And this is down at the bottom of the hill from the boat excavation. And they could only imagine that this was probably an anchor stone from the ark. And as Christian archaeologists have been over there and missionaries have been working on this, Go ahead and go through the others. They started discovering these ballast stones and anchor stones. Keep going. Go ahead and go through the others. There's one with three of them. Notice the crosses on each one. Every single engraving matched the anchor stone, matched some of the engravings in the wood that they're uncovering at, at, at this mountain in, in the, their, Mount Ararat in Turkey. Go ahead. And that just so inspired me to remind y'all that not only I know you know the Bible's real, we live by faith, but it's awesome whenever they prove it. It's awesome whenever atheist scientists say, oh man, we just found all the Pharaoh's chariots in, in right where the, the, the sea split and the children of Israel walked across on dry land to this day. You can Google it and watch the videos as scuba divers go down around all the chariot wheels. They've all been uncovered. And they're all right there where the Bible said they were going to be. If God had to search this generation to find someone faithful that walks with him, would he find one here in our church? Man, this so impacted my heart. It so impacted me that, that I, I, I just begin to pray and weep and say, God, I want to be faithful. I want to be the man you've called me to be. I want to be able to hear your voice. Because 
When God spoke to Noah, can you imagine this is a time he had no Bible, he had no smartphone, no devotional book, no way of checking something Google's. He had such a connection with God that he's hearing from God Almighty, him and God in direct communication. And our same Bible that we study says God is no respecter of persons. So that tells me, and, and it also says God's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So it tells me that if I'm having trouble hearing from God, I'm probably not walking the walk that God has called me to walk. And I'm going to admit to you, it's hard for everybody. I've sat with, with evangelists and pastors and ministers who I thought could have almost walked on water. And they have the same struggle because we're human. Sometimes it's hard to know what part is my subconscious, what part's my raising, what's part my gut, what part is the enemy trying to make me think this is God telling me what my next thing is. We, we all battle that. But the idea is if we start walking the walk, we start walking with God, we start digging in and living the life of faith, trusting Him. When everything looks bleak, trusting God. When, when all odds say opposite, Remember Gideon and his army. When God made it to where all the odds were against them so that they would re be reminded that it's God. God doesn't need our help. He wants our lives, our dedications. He wants us to help. If God is speaking, how would we hear his voice today? This is one thing in youth ministry, the years that I, would, I did youth camps... Almost every kid would walk up and say, how do I know when it's God? How do I hear his voice? And I just threw down just a few of, of the, the ways the Bible talks about that God, God will speak to us through his word. So listen, if you're having trouble hearing from God, I'm going to ask you, how much have you been reading your word this, this week, this month, this year? God help me, I haven't done enough. I haven't done enough. If you're having trouble hearing from God, are you spending the time in his word? He also talks to us through prayer. Listen, not just prayer. Something changed in my life after I had fallen into a life of sin and I walked away from God and I was a broken man. I had just lost my mama. She died um, after I had cared for her for two years with my daddy. And we expected a miracle. My mama would pray for people and they'd be healed. And it wasn't my mama. It was the power of God. The Holy Spirit of God... Um, would just pour out on that angelic woman and somebody, I watched cancer fall off of people. Uh, one lady had a big gigantic tumor on her throat and mama prayed for her and it fell to the floor. A cataracts would fall off of eyes that were blinded. God used this amazing woman to, to and she was not a preacher. She wasn't, my daddy was a preacher, but my mama walked with God, y'all. My mama literally had a connection to God that I long for and I strive for every day of my life because she walked in love and authority of the Holy Spirit of God. But yet when, when she died, it was devastating because of all people, here, here I'm still going, I'm still kicking after all these surgeries and organ failures and mama was healthy and she's gone. It rocked my world and there for a while, I was hurt at God. Anybody that's ever lost anybody, you, you've dealt with it, we're humans. I was hurt at God. And, and I kept saying, God, I, I know you could have healed her. Why didn't you? And God kept telling me, trust my plan. You've got to have faith in my plan. And it's so hard to do sometimes when we're broken. It's so hard to do when we're hurting. But at my mama's funeral, 27 people gave their lives to Jesus. And a few of them were atheists that said, that woman was proof that God is real. 
One of those atheists that gave their heart to God was my uncle Bobby, who fell over dead two weeks later in his driveway with a heart attack. But he's in heaven today because of my mama's life. But that was a tough time in my life, and it, it, it drove me into a dark place. And thank God that he, thank God that, that conviction fell on me. I repented and, and came back to God. But now I've got such a desire now to just be with God every day. He speaks to us also through his creation. I think there's a lot of people in this church, because I know we've got a lot of country, country folks here. I, there's a lot of people that when you're out in the woods or out by a brook, you feel close to God when you're out in his creation. Uh, I, I know I do. I, I, that's where God speaks to me sometimes the clearest, is when I'm out in the woods. Uh, he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit that Jesus taught us in the New Testament when, when he said that I'm going to go prepare a place for you uh, so that you may be with, with me one day with my Father, that where I am there you may also be, is how the scripture was. But he says, I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to walk with you, live in you, to, to be able to walk with you through the loss, through the heartache, through the devastation. But if we're not reaching out, if we're not trying to walk with God, he doesn't force these things on us. We've got to walk like Noah. We've got to walk with God. We've got to walk through uh, faithful reading of his word and prayer. We've got to walk in the Holy Spirit of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through us so that it's God's personality being used and not ours. My personality stinks, y'all. I'm going to annoy everybody with my personality. But if I would shut up and allow the Holy Spirit of God to talk through me in those times when things are difficult, then God's going to use me and God's going to speak through me. And I say that because, honestly, sometimes we all need to be reminded our personalities sometimes rub each other the wrong way. But that's the human side. But if we walk in the Spirit, then we're walking in His personality. Sometimes God uses other believers to reach out, send a message. You can be in the middle of your darkest time or discouraged or, or frustrated or really going through a battle and somebody sends you a message and says, God put you on my heart, I'm praying for you. That's God speaking to you through his believers. God is stirring hearts of his believers to, to pray for you, to think of you, to send love to you. That's another way that God is speaking to you. Number six God speaks us through Jesus. This comes back to the word in the New Testament. Jesus left a lot of instructions in the New Testament of how. Did you know that the New Testament, somebody was asking me the other day, my, my beliefs on church leadership and, and, and how things. I said, you know, it's all right in the Bible. I cannot give you my opinion. My opinion is not greater than Jesus. But even right in the Bible, word for word, the, the requirements of each leadership position and what they're to be, what they're expected to do, it's all in the Bible. I think where we go wrong is when we start trying uh, our own human mindset, our own ideas. We start going down our own way, and we're going we're gonna to mess it up every time. But Jesus laid things out for us very clearly in the Word. One of my favorites on this list besides the Holy Spirit and, and prayer is... Uh, Music, number seven. My wife, in the very beginning when we started dating, I, I think I drove her nuts more than I probably made her happy the very first few months, the way I hear her tell it nowadays. <laughs> My wife, and there's nothing wrong with it. Please don't think I'm preaching against it because I'm not. My wife absolutely loved country music. And some of her favorite ones 
unfortunately, were people I knew personally and had to be around a few times. And so it was hard for me to listen to someone's music when I know how they treated women and children. And, and I'm like, and she's like, well, I didn't know any of that. I just like the songs. I don't, I don't care about the person. I like the music. And I would, I would remind her every day, you're having a bad day? She's like, oh, I'm having a bad day of stress, everything. I'm like, turn on, turn on God's music. Turn on the gospel station. If you, if you have internet, thegospelstation.com. My, our dear friend Randall Christie owns 18 radio stations of gospel music. If you like the old-fashioned stuff, the Oasis Network and the Gospel Station is going to be your, your jam. If you like modern worship, look up K-Love. In Oklahoma City, I think there's one called Air, Air One. But my wife now can tell you there's power in God's music. Get in there, baby. There's days that she's broken and hurting and crying. And, and she will literally turn on the K-Love or, or KXOJ, is it, baby? And she'll turn that on. And all of a sudden, I will watch my wife turn around. And she will all of a sudden, y'all, my wife started preaching this last week. My wife, the quiet one that doesn't talk to me, she busted out and started preaching on our Wednesday night. Was it this last week or the week before? The week before. The Holy Spirit came onto my wife. She turns to the camera and she just started preaching. And I about fell off my bench. I looked at her and I was so proud and so amazed by her connection with God that she literally came out of her personality and just started preaching to the camera. More people on that Wednesday night, more people were moved by hearing God speak through my wife. But it's because she's, she's allowed God to speak through her from his word and prayer, his creation, Holy Spirit, other believers, Jesus, and through music as she worships God even at work or even in the car. But number eight, God also uses circumstances. Sometimes even the bad ones. Because we're promised that even though all things are not good, all things work together for the good for those that love God. So whatever circumstances you might be going through, let God use them to bring it back to him. Go ahead, Brother Stacy. Okay. That's the one we were looking for. I want to finish up with this one thought that I wanted to leave with everybody. That when you look at the story of, of Noah, and, and I love getting to throw in the extra pictures. That, was, did, did anybody in here, had anybody already seen the, the discovery of the anchor stones and the ballast rocks? You've seen them before? So only two or three people had seen those before today. That makes me just so excited. I'm glad I threw them in there. I was worried about it because we're, we're tight on time. But I'm like, man, it so inspired me seeing. This is the rock that Noah carved with a mallet and a chisel. And he made sure and put crosses on. Isn't it remarkable that Noah put crosses on stones before he had a Bible to know Jesus would one day be on a cross? Let that sink into somebody. Um, but... Noah did not lean on his own understanding. Noah followed what we were later taught in the New Testament. Peter, 1 Peter 5 and 7, cast all your cares on him because he cares for us. Trust in the Lord with all your might and lean not unto your own understanding. We're also told in Proverbs uh, 3 and 6, acknowledge, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Okay, so if you need your path, if you've got something weighing you down, you don't know which way you're supposed to go. You got something really tormenting right now, this, this road. You don't know. Or, or maybe you're standing at the brink of devastation and, and, and praying for a situation in your family, in your life, in your finances. Instead of running through all the human mindset, well, I need to A, B, C, D. I need to go to the bank. Let's look at a loan. Let's see if I can sell this. 
Let's start with just acknowledging him in all our ways and let him direct our path. Let him tell us what we need to do. Jeremiah 29, 11, God promises for the plans that I have for you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for you to prosper and not be harmed. But what I want to leave with you today is I believe more than anything. I, I just, I cannot tell you how excited I am to have our friend Jenna here with us. I just love Jenna so much. I told her I wish that, that Christy and I could adopt her so she could be our daughter. Um, but God placed this young lady in Christy in my life at the most perfect time when we felt like we needed someone else to love and, and to invest in and pour God's love into. And Jenna's been so sweet. She'll go and eat lunch with us old people sometimes, and it just makes our day. We just love it. But when I looked at my wife, and I said, look at the back row. Look at all the, the, all the young adults are here, all the Smith. The, and then when I saw uh, Ty and Hannah come in, and I was so excited because this is what God told me for this last thing I wanted to leave with you, and then we're done with this part of the service. Is there are leaders here who have not yet stepped up. That role of Noah, that when Noah was speaking to him, Noah was 600 years old when God spoke to him. Thank God some of y'all are hearing this in your youth where you still got the, 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 the strength that, that's already long past me. But God told me that he was going to have people here in, this, here in this church as one that needed to hear these words. That God has a plan for some of you young adults that is so great that it would blow your minds. Can you imagine how, how freaky it was for Noah to be told you got to build this giant boat for all of creation to, to start over the entire world? Everybody's going to die but you and your family and you're the guy in charge of all of it. The whole weight of the world falls. We felt like the weight of the world was on our shoulders before. But Noah had it. And he still walked with God faithfully. But there are young men and young women in this room this morning that God had me all week long pray over this. In Esther 4 and 14, this scripture says, basically I paraphrase this one, you were born for such a time as this. Some of you young people don't know yet what your calling is. I love the fact that, that, that Wit, Wit, did I say that right? I love the fact that Wit already knows. He feels in his spirit that he's called to ministry. He already feels it, and I feel the anointing on that young man. The, the first day I met him, I looked at Christy, and I said, that boy, that boy's got a calling on his life. And I had never even heard him speak yet. But God is on that young man. And he's on, he's on all of us. But listen to me. Sometimes we could be like Jonah running from the calling, and then it might not be as evident. Sometimes we can be like little wit who'll speak up and start testifying in front of all of us scary adults. And, and he speaks up, and God just pours through him. And he's accepted his calling. But some of you young men and women that are here today, God, God is calling you to leadership. This world is going crazy. There, there, there could be a lot of devastation in the near future in this world. We don't know exactly the time frames, but we can see that the end of time is approaching because the Bible shows us each thing to see. But there are young men and women in here right now that are not only just going to be the leadership of this church one day, but there are people in this room that might be the, the leaders God's calling for the ark type of ministry to save the city, save the family, save your basketball team, save your, your, your workers 
at work. You might be the Noah if you'll walk with God. If you'll receive this scripture, you were born for such a time as this. Receive the word of God today and rise up to be the leader God's called you to be because God's got something great for each and every one of y'all. God's got something great for Advent Christian Church. God's got something great for you individually if you will walk with God. I want to remind you that when you walk with God, just like Noah, he didn't have to shut the door. The hand of God shut that door, that boat, when it was time. The hand of God kept the lion's mouth shut when Daniel was thrown. The hand of God shielded the three Hebrew children from the fiery furnace when it didn't touch them. They didn't smell like smoke. Can you imagine? They left that fire without even smelling like smoke. The hand of God shielded them. The hand of God was with Moses when he was put into the bulrushes as a baby. He later became the leader that led the children of Israel out of Egypt. The hand of God is on your life right now. If you will allow it and walk with him, walk in his spirit, walk with God, the hand of God will close the doors that need closed. The hand, God is already in the calling. He's already in the boat with you saying, step into this role that I'm, I'm asking you to step into. Rise up. Start being more faithful at your church. Start coming early. Pray over the seats. Start praying for the leaders. Start praying for the ones who have put the time in. Start carrying the soul burden to pray for the lost. Pray that we can get this baptistry wet again someday and we can have souls being saved. That's what we're supposed to be here for. You were born for such a time of this. The hand of God is not only calling you today, but the hand of God is wanting to shield you and guard you. The hand of God was with Darla in her wreck. The hand of God cradled that windshield and held, that, held those airbags back. The hand of God, Brother Jerry, God just told me the hand of God is with you and Claire and your family. You've been a faithful man of God. Serving God and, and serving this church. In these situations, God's hand is on you all. We're praying for every situation surrounding the family and all the ones here in the church. But the hand of God, he's already there. We just need to rise up to our calling. We were born for such a time as this. I'm going to change the order of the service real quick. And um, I know this morning we're going to be taking communion as a church. And um, I know most people here are already familiar with all of it because you, most people here were raised in this church. But I was sharing something with my wife this week when it comes to communion. If the, those that are going to help pass out, if the, those leaders in the church, if you'll come on up, Brother Jack and... Um, in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians, you might not have heard all these scriptures before. We all know what this represents. I believe everybody in here uh, has heard the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 11, that when he had given thanks, he, he, he broke the bread and he said, take and eat. This is, the bread represents my body, Jesus said, which is broken for you because of him dying on the cross. And he said, this do in remembrance of me. This is not just something, a ritual it's not a habit or a hobby. This is something we do in connection to honoring what Jesus did on that cross. After the same manner, he took the cup and he said, 
this cup is the New Testament in my blood. So this do as often as you drink it. Do it in remembrance of me. But this is the scripture that I wanted to share with you that my daddy used to use every time we do communion. One thing that some people might not have ever heard before in verse 27. It says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of Jesus. But let a man and woman examine themselves and so let them eat of the bread and drink of that cup worthily. So one thing that my father would encourage was for us to not just take it and, and to drink it quick, but to search your soul. Lord God, as we close out here, we ask for that infilling of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your presence. Lord, be with us as we go forth. Guide and direct us. Be within us. May we share your love with others. We thank you and praise you for your, everything that you do. And we all ask all this in Christ's holy name. Amen.